This is the Koinos Community Church Podcast. Subscribe so that you can join us regularly as we look to find ways to close the gap between who we are and who God longs for us to be. You know, as a little kid, I had a bucket of Legos. Um, and ser- when I say a bucket of Legos, it was about as, it's not even as big as the, the base of this stool. So it was about this big. And I know that it was in a bucket because whenever I moved out of the house or got older, I got this bucket from my mom that was my Legos. And I thought about that because my son, who's now 25, in our basement, we have, I think, at least two 20-gallon totes full of Legos. Um, there may be three, but nevertheless. But those Legos, to me, when I was a kid, were valuable. I love those things. And when I was a kid, you might have like a roof piece and a door and a window, and that was kind of your, fa- your fancy pieces. Everything else was just bricks, like blocks. And so there wasn't any bionicles, or I don't even know what they have now. But those were valuable to me. And I didn't have just a ton of toys. We played baseball and football and ran around, had a big wheel, all the stuff. That, those things were valuable to me, right? And as we grow older, some of the things in our lives lose value and some things gain value. You know, I want you to think with me for just a minute what you hold most dear. I don't hold my Legos as dear as I used to. Those are all mixed in with whatever Cole has in those two buckets, those two totes. But think with me for just a minute about what's important. What do you place value on? should be easy. So our kids, our family, memories, some of us value independence or our autonomy really highly. Maybe it's sports or music or art or literature. Maybe it's learning. Place a high value on gaining knowledge. For some, it's money or power or likes on Instagram or whatever your social media platform of choice is. All of those things that we value can be aspirational. And you don't have to just pick just one. It becomes pretty obvious to to each of us, if we know you, what's valuable to you. The group of churches that we're a part of, the the BICUS, has a set of things that they hold dear, ten core values. And it's a part of the DNA of what built Koinos and how we can continue to move on, move forward. It's the things that we hold dear. Closer than Legos. These values are a big reason I came to be a part of this congregation, came to be a part of this group of churches. And I hope over the next few weeks, as we unpack these 10 core values, that you'll, if you don't, didn't know we had them, then you'll find out that we had them, and then maybe embrace them and make them your own. But before I get too far into this, will you pray with me? God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, and they'll be helpful to those who hear them. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 
my name is Andrew Carpenter. I'm the guy that likes the little bucket of Legos. I did not mention that earlier. But as we launch into this new series of our 10 core values for the BIC, we have to kind of go back because those didn't just come out of nowhere. If we look into the scripture, Jesus has a foundational teaching that I think is important for us and has an impact on all the things that we hold dear. And it's found in Matthew 22. He says it more than one, in more than one place and more than one time, but this is the passage we're going to be looking at today, just in brief. It says this. Some, some teachers, Pharisees, some, some people that were really into what the, what the Torah said, what the Old Testament said, what we would call the Old Testament said, asked Jesus what, his, what he thought the, the biggest commandment was. They're trying to trick him. But this is what he said. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. As we think about these core values over the next few weeks, the foundation for that is learning to love God and love others. And if we don't do those things, then it doesn't matter what we say we value or don't value. In the BIC, the Brethren in Christ, which goes 250 years back, it's rooted in the sense of our history and our doctrine. Our core values touch our hearts, stir our emotions, and move us to action. This denomination that this church is a part of is almost 250 years old officially. It is, from what we could tell, the, the first denomination that was ever started right here in the United States. So it's old by USA standards. You have the Lutherans and you have other Catholic that obviously started way before that. But right here in the States is where it was born. Our roots run pretty deep and in different places, and they spread out. And the earliest place that we can find is through the Anabaptists. And the Anabaptists were folks that were radical reformers. You might be familiar with Martin Luther, who began, who put the 95 Theses up to kind of say, hey, Catholicism, you're not doing this right. I want to show you how to do what I think we should be doing. And then people started branching off from there. And that's part of where our history started with the people that were Anabaptists who rebaptized, And so I say they were radical reformers because they didn't want to have anything to do with the state. They wanted a separation completely from church and state. Martin Luther was willing to use the power of the state to enforce the rules that he put upon people. Calvin, Zwingli, all of these kind of early reformers that weren't necessarily radical had a different idea of how those things went. But the Anabaptists were, were peace-loving people, um, and as a result, they were persecuted for that. They sought to live out what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and they did it in a literal fashion. They wanted to go back to that early church, that early sense of who Jesus was and what Jesus wanted to do on this world. And so there was this sense of peace and reconciliation, and if you 
became, if you came to know Christ later in life, then you got baptized again. And so they called him rebaptizer. And that's why the Catholics and the Lutherans, they weren't necessarily Lutherans just yet, were against what they were doing. Some examples of what the Sermon on the Mount would say was things that they held dearly, which is loving enemies and praying for the persecutors. There was no place for hate within the brethren, within these early brethren, the Anabaptists, or judging others. They held to that golden rule of do unto others as you would have done to you. And they put into practice those things that Jesus taught in that sermon. We're also rooted in something called pietism. And that's kind of a a weird word. You don't hear it every day. You probably don't hear Anabaptist every day. But pietism really just means this relationship with Christ. It's that sense of, I have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Up until that point, you almost had three classes of people. You had the, the religious class, which would be like priests and monks and people that like did Jesus stuff for a living, okay? And then you had people like us who, well, I'm a pastor, so I might fall into that Jesus stuff for a living thing. But people like us who work at a normal job, obviously being a pastor is not a normal job, I'll tell you that right now. But work at a regular job, maybe they were a farmer, maybe they were uh, some kind of, um, kind of a feudal system, so they worked on a farm, or they were a shepherd, or they were something that was a rural industry. And they didn't have the same expectations placed on them as the people that were priests and uh, that went around helping the poor and things, things like that. So they had these kind of two classes. And then you had like the warrior class kind of in the middle. And that warrior class, the knights and those types of things, would make sure to enforce whatever the religious types liked. And then they had the feudal people that would just kind of say, do whatever the church told them. And if they, did, they got out of line, then the, the knights would come in and say, hey, you've got to do what the lords say. So it was, but the pietistic people, the people who were, who, who were like you and I in, these, in this different class began to see that, hey, I don't need a priest or a monk or some religious person to have a connection with God, with the person who created me, with, with Jesus Christ. And so they began to seek as they began more, became more educated, they, they learned to read and write, and they began to dive into these scriptures that had kind of been hidden from them up until that point. And so the pietists were ones who craved for that personal connection with Jesus Christ. It was no longer for pastors and priests and prophets. It was for everybody. And so it kind of opened God up to the masses, which is, I think, what Jesus intended to begin with. And then a third strain or a third root is Wesleyanism. John Wesley was a, was a pastor and a scholar way back. You may have heard of Methodism or the Methodists. He was one that got that movement started. And it was very much based on this sense of personal sanctification. And again, sanctification is not a word you hear every day, but it's kind of like a cleansing. And what Jesus did on the cross they took seriously. And when Jesus rose from the dead, the Wesleyans, the people who followed after what he would teach, understood 
that that resurrection, that rebirth, was something that was available to all of us. That we could have victory over sin. That death no longer had sway over us. And so, as a result of that, we could live a life that was free of wallowing, or wallowing around in our brokenness and our sin and the, the, the stuff that we get deceived by so often. And we could live a life of victory, a life that's rooted in that love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And so you have those three, those three roots. We also have something called an evangelistic root, which means the good news. And so all of the things we do that we hold dear to are not a part of some large, you hear that word evangelical in, in, in the news and it sounds awful, but it really just means good news. Because the original is the good news. It's an announcing, an announcement of who God is and what God is doing. The king has come, and God is our king through Christ. So Jesus does that sanctifying work. That's the Wesleyan, and the Wesleyan strain of life. And now, I, I, over, I oversimplified 250 years worth of... Uh, Brethren in Christ doctrine or, and theology. But over the next 10 weeks or so, we're going to explore a lot of that and unpack it together. We'll get a better feel for where we've been and where we're going as a denomination and as a church, as a people of God. I'm going to shift gears a little bit, but it is related to the next several weeks. I want you to know I'm not going to do this alone. I've asked a few women who are gifted teachers and leaders to join me as we share these core values with you. One of the things that the BIC and I value, although it's not on the list of 10, is women in leadership at all levels of denominational life. We've had women who have been bishops. We've had women who are lead pastors of churches all the way down to I don't know, lead pastor of Koinos Church, whatever you want to say. We haven't had a lead pastor that's been a woman at Koinos. I'm, I didn't say that correctly. But we've, that, that's a thing, and it can be a thing, and it should happen at some point. Hopefully not for a few years, because I'm planning on sticking around. But it's scriptural. We have a position paper on, our, on, their, on the BIC website. You can find a position paper if you'd like to see what that's about, you can, you can email me and I'll send you a PDF copy of it and you can read it. It's important that we, uh, we value a woman's voice in our world, in our church, in our lives. It, it has scriptural backing in it. One of the places we first see, one of the first sermons we see after Jesus has been resurrected and the, the folks move into Jerusalem and they start talking to other people about what Jesus has done is from a, a man named Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, one of his followers. And, and he, he quotes out of the prophet Joel. In the, book of, from, in the book of Acts, he quotes Joel. And it says this, and it's the great equalizer for all of us. It says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days 
and they will prophesy. And if you were to look at that position paper, there's all types of different scripture passages and um, verses and logic behind why we value women and why women's voices are important to be a part of our denominational life, our church life. Paul had women that worked alongside him in his ministry, the the Apostle Paul. Jesus had women that worked alongside him in his ministry. Each of those men was raising the bar. Like, women were oftentimes treated just like possessions. We've been reading, some of us have been reading in Genesis in the last few, last few couple of weeks as we started out the new year, reading through the entire Bible. And we just see that these men who were held up in high esteem would have like two wives and a couple of concubines. And these women were just kind of something that wasn't all, it was, they were somewhat valuable in that they could have children, but they weren't valuable in, in the sense that they were real people with feelings, and um, the, the scripture made that really um, difficult for, I'm getting, I'm getting turned around, I'm sorry, but the scripture in the Old Testament as we read and we see and as it progresses, we, we get this sense that, that God is doing something different than what was happening culturally in those areas. And when we get to Jesus and we get to Paul and we get to some of the other disciples, we begin to see that women are being elevated in ways that they hadn't been elevated before. If we go back to Abraham or we go back to Isaac and some of these early patriarchs, we at least know their wives' names, which is a valuable But as we progress on further, we begin to see these women that the first people who preached the gospel were the women who were with Jesus, and he was resurrected from the dead, and they went and told people. And so that's one of the reasons why I feel like these voices are valuable and helpful. Both of those, but Paul had his detractors, and again, you want to look at that position paper, you can look at that as well. But he also elevated women. You know, our culture has somewhat embraced women as leaders to an extent, but we have a long way to go, and I think we're kidding ourselves if we think that we've done a good job. We've never had a woman as our president in this country. Um, We've never, most CEOs of corporations are not women. We just, we've got a long way to go, and that's, that's a problem on the left and on the right of a political spectrum. It's a problem for some women in the way they view women, and it's a problem for a lot of men for the way they view men. But we can do better. The way we read the Bible informs how we think about these things. And I want to be one who breaks those walls of disparity among the genders and the classes and the races, the ethnicities and things like that. You know, as a privileged white man, which I am, I desperately need the perspective of women. That's why our very own Emily Hershey and my wife, Carmen Carpenter, and a good friend of Koinos, Erica Henry, are all going to spend some time unpacking some of these values with us over the next 10 weeks. I'm going to do a few of them, but they're going to handle at least three of those, and we're going to have a, an, 
a good time of having some different voices other than mine. I like having a break from preaching every now and then, and I'm sure you guys like for me to have a break from preaching every now and then. However, this is not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because these women have gifts and talents and abilities that we need to hear and that we need to learn to embrace and move forward. I don't know, the population of this planet's like 51 to 49 women to men. We don't hear enough women's voices. And I want us as a church and as a community to embrace those voices and to learn from those voices because we all have things to offer. We all have things to learn. I'm thrilled to have them be a part of this teaching time over the next several weeks. They're each awesome and gifted in their own ways. And I hope you guys will join us over the next several weeks, whether it's here in person or online. And as we do, we're going to draw closer to God and be better able to love each other. Will you pray with me? I'm going to have the worship team come back up and we'll finish this out this morning. God, I thank you that we have a history. Some of us know it a little better than others, um, but over the next few weeks, we're going to learn it a little bit more. And not just for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of having our lives transformed by the power of your word. As we unpack these values, as these women help us understand these things better um, from different perspectives, Lord, that we will fully embrace these values so that we can love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our minds. And that as we do that, that flows into loving our neighbor as ourselves. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be with you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Koinos Podcast. If you like what you hear, like, subscribe, and share it. You can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at CC and on YouTube at Koinos Community Church. Until next time, be well, do good, and love others.